Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. tells you a little bit about our app, and uh, I want to invite everybody to download our app because there, we only brought a few uh, materials uh, to this meeting, but uh, if you access our app, Web Ministries, you can go to the App Store or Google Play Store if you have an Android device, download uh, Web Ministries, then um, there you can access all of our teaching absolutely free of charge. You can listen to podcasts, you can uh, access... uh, a uh, lifetime of uh, ministry and revelation knowledge there, and we trust it to be a blessing to you. Well, uh, did you want these? Did you have these? Do you have these? Huh? Oh, those are yours? Okay, yeah, absolutely. All right, that's not, no, I gave them to you. You didn't have to steal them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Seed sown. I invite you to open your Bibles with me tonight to the book of uh, Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and let's just tie up some loose ends and uh, finish strong. Amen? Is that all right? All right, that's three of you. What about the rest of you? Is that all right? All right, praise God. The Lord's good. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I made reference to something this morning. How many of you were not here with us this morning? Anybody not here? Well, where were you? No, 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 we're, we're glad you're here tonight. Glad you could come. So for the benefit of those that weren't here this morning, um, I made a reference to uh, a verse of Scripture here, but I paraphrased it. I'll read here in verse 4. As a matter of fact, uh, Amber read it earlier. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, my paraphrase this morning was the reference I made to being a turtle on a fence post. Verse 6 is where it says, He has raised us up together and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In this sense, from God's point of view, He has put you in a place you could not put yourself. And I use that illustration this morning. If you're riding around here in, in, uh, where are we? Raham? Huh? Taunton, Taunton, yeah. Or Boston or wherever you're from. Uh, And you saw a turtle sitting on a fence post. Then you would know that somebody had to help him get there. He could not have gotten there by himself. Amen? And God wants your life to look that way. So he did this for you. He has raised you up. You couldn't do it yourself. And has seated you. You couldn't do it yourself in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just so, verse 7 says, that he could show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For the ages to come, starting now. He wants to show his kindness 
to you through Christ Jesus. Not when you get to heaven, but now. Well, there's a lot waiting on us in heaven. We don't really know a whole lot about heaven. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot. Most of what we think we know, we've heard of people that have visited there, been there, you know, died and come back. But um, we don't even need to worry about that right now. God's got heaven covered. It's here that God wants to begin to show off his goodness and the riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. So what we want to do is cooperate with that. Amen. You know, it's sad, but the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Or verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. You and I, as believers, are a new creature. But it seems, Pastor Joe, that a lot of the church world is satisfied with just being a cleaned-up old creature. Somebody that's, you know, cleaned up and ready for heaven, but nothing much until then. But we're new creatures. One translation says a new species of being that never existed before. I'm so glad that I've learned to walk in the light of that. God will take you places that you could never get to yourself. He'll put you in positions you could never do by your, on your own. He'll do for you what man cannot do for you. Glory to God. If you'll learn to live as a new creature. Now, how do you do this? Well, it's a new way of life. It's called living by faith. And verse 8 of this same chapter says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice that, by grace are you saved through faith. Notice three words there. Grace, saved, faith. I like to for simplicity's sake or maybe clarity's sake, make it an equation. And I'll put it like this. Grace plus faith equals saved. Grace, that's what God has done. That's all that he's purchased for us in Christ Jesus. Saved is what you aspire to. Saved is a, it comes from a a Greek word which is all-inclusive. It means every kind of salvation, not just heavenly, not just spiritual, but temporal. It means whole. It means sound. It means peace. It means prospered. It means healthy. It means all of these things. And that's what we want in life. It's what we desire. So grace has purchased it. Saved is what we desire to experience. All we've got to do is add That component of faith, grace plus faith equals saved. Glory to God. That's in any area. Jesus died 2,000 years ago and made it possible for a person to become a new creature. When you mixed faith with that, you became a new creature. But that's not when God did something. That's when you did something. And how did you do that? You heard the word. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Somewhere, somehow, some way. The word of Jesus got to you. Or it, well, it, it got to you at some point and it germinated at that moment like a seed uh, taking root in the soil. That's what God's word is. It's a seed. And Psalm 119 says, the entrance of his word gives light. Yeah. Never will forget when I was born again. I was just reading through my New Testament. I was curious about the end times. 
I'd grown up in the Presbyterian church. We got any former Presbyterians in here? Well, bless you. And uh, we, uh, we were, um, uh, I was curious about the end time. So I was reading different books and I was reading one thing or another. And then I started in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And I got as far, I just read through it just like you'd read a book. And I got to where Jesus was hanging on the cross and he cried out, quoting the 22nd Psalm, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in that moment, I saw something that I never had seen before. I had heard it. I'd heard all my life about Jesus and his blood and the cross and all that, but I never could figure out what that had to do with me. How could something that happened 2,000 years ago have anything to do with me? And yet in that moment, the light came on. Did you know that uh, some years back, they photographed the actual moment of human conception. They took a photograph. They, they were able finally with all the, you know, photographic advance and the, you know, whatever the, the kind of tools to get the very instant that the human seed fertilized the human egg. And you can Google the photograph online. It's, it's there for anybody to see. You know what happened? You know what they saw? When the seed germinated, or when, the, when the, the seed and the egg came together and a new life was begun, there was a flash of light, yes, yes. a tiny flash of light. Yeah. Look it up. Google it. When I saw that, when I heard that and then saw it for myself, I thought of Psalm 119, the entrance of his word gives light. That's what happens when his word impacts your spirit. Now you can sit out there and listen to a sermon after sermon, listen after speaker after speaker. Folks like me that are really cool and folks that aren't. <laughs> Preaching the word, you know. I hear all kind of things, hear all kind of stories. And you can sit there and think, yeah, whatever, whatever. But God's word has a, there's a, there's a, a life to it. There, there's a, there's a, uh, a quality to it that uh, is unlike anything else. And when that word takes root in your spirit, light comes. And then you start to see. see? Now, a lot of people approach spiritual things intellectually, but they don't see it. They mentally assent to things. But mental assent is not faith. You're not there yet. I'll tell you one way to know whether you're in faith or not about something. It's really simple. It's do you see it? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself well or do you see yourself sick? I'm not talking about what you feel. I'm talking about in the inner man. How do you see yourself? How do you think of yourself? How do you, what, what is reality to you? Do you see yourself prospering? Or do you see, you see yourself broken, always in need? When, when the Word of God impacts your spirit and you begin to see things, it'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you think. I was, you mentioned uh, Ross Roberts. Do you, everybody know Ross up here? Ross is a good buddy. He and I spend a lot of time together. He's, he only lives about three hours away from me and he comes up all the time. They spend the night, and we just sit around and have a good time. And I was down, uh, his wife cuts my wife's hair, 
So we sometimes will sneak down to Mobile, just take a couple of days, she'll get her hair cut, and we'll just eat some seafood. We don't have lobster, but we got good Gulf seafood. So we were down there one time, and Ross said, hey, I got to go turn my car in uh, at the Lexus dealership, and uh, they're going to give me another car, uh, a loaner car, but they've got a service mine. I'm about to take a trip. I think he was coming up here to Boston or somewhere. He said, so... Um, Go over there with me. So I rode over there with me. And he said, now, i got to warn you. I got th there's this service rider. He's a great guy, and he really shows me a lot of favor. But, boy, he is rough. He is really rough around the edges. He just cusses like a sailor, and he just, you know, he's a, he's a rough guy. And I said, oh, that doesn't bother me. I'd a whole lot rather be around an honest cussing sinner than a hypocritical Christian. And uh, so uh, we went over there, and we walked in, and he behind his desk he said something you know spoke to Ross and Ross said hey I, Joe I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine this is Scott Webb he's a good friend of mine and the guy first time we'd ever met he said oh you poor and he called me a an expletive you poor illegitimate person <laughs> illegitimately born person <laughs> and I immediately came back at him and said I'm not poor I'm not poor. I didn't care that he called me a illegitimate. I knew better than that. But the first thing out of my mouth was, I'm not poor. See, I, I got delivered from being poor-minded a long, long time ago. There's some things I'm just not going to answer to. I'm not going to answer to broke. I'm not going to answer to sick. I'm not going to answer to failure. I'm not going to answer to, to uh, weak I'm not going to answer to scared. That's, good, yeah. That's not me. That's good. God's not giving me the spirit of fear, no, but of power, Amen. love, Amen. a sound mind. Amen. Glory to God. Are y'all here or not? Yes. Glory to God. It's Sunday night. There's nobody but us here. And this is a Pentecostal church, so you can talk back. It's all right. Amen. Amen. And so uh, when the word impacts your spirit, then it'll bring light. And you'll see things differently. So if, you, if you're struggling with something, again, this is a faith tune-up, but if you're struggling with something, then just stay with it until you see it. Just stay with it. Just keep meditating the Word. Keep reading your Scriptures. Keep confess, making those confessions. Because when that Word impacts your spirit, the light will come. You'll see things the way God sees them. And then once that Word gets in your heart, it'll come out of your mouth and it'll change your life. Glory to God. Just stay with it. Everybody say, stay with it. Look at your neighbor and say, stay with it. Glory to God. Now, by grace, are you saved through faith? Grace is the part that God has done. There's nothing you can add to it. There's nothing you can subtract from it. It needs no adjustment. Saved is what we want. So what do we do? We mix faith with it. We add faith to it. Now, if you were here Saturday morning, you know that the first verse, the first scripture that we started with was found over in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to refer back to uh, this. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, we're not supposed to fear many things, but here's one thing he tells us to fear. You should fear, you should have more respect for God's word and God's promises than you do anything 
that the president says. Or anything that the governor says. Or anything that the devil says. Which usually they agree on a lot. But let us fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. Now the reason I say the word and respect the word, because the next verse says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Now look at there. They had the word preached to them, but they got no profit out of it. So it's possible for you to hear the word preached and not profit. And why didn't it profit them? Because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So how do you mix faith with the word? Grace, that's what God's done, and that's what the word declares over us. Plus faith equals saved. How do you mix faith with the word? Well, now there's a, a, a number of nuances to this, but let's just make it real simple, and here's where it all begins. This uh, auditorium, you know, is we, we have the benefit in these modern days of all the technology, and I was admiring the speakers and how the, we get so much sound out of these little towers and these, I guess, subwoofers down here, and uh, it's, it's quite, a, quite a system. And so there's a lot that goes in to bringing a good sound to you. And, of course, this musical family, they, they've got everything dialed in just right. They know, they know what they're doing. They're working all ends. And so you see the speakers and you see the microphones and you hear me because you see this microphone up here and we've got the booms and he's got these things down here with the gas pedals on it that he pushes. And, and uh, all of this goes together, monitors and things like that all go together to make a good sound. But there's one component that you probably never see and never really think about, and it's back there behind that table. It's called, it's called a soundboard, or colloquially, it's called a mixer. And what that does is that mixer takes the inputs from all these microphones and all these instruments. Everything goes back into that mixer, and the sound man makes the adjustments and decides what comes out the speakers by taking all those and blending them, making one higher, making one lower, adjusting them, adjusting EQ. And the way that he knows he's got a good mix is by what comes out the speaker. Now, the way you know that you've got a good mix is by what comes out your speaker. The word profit, the word preach them did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They heard the word, but they never mixed it. See, we're hearing all kind of things. We all got sense enough to know that one weekend, every now and then, is just a part of the input that you get. We've got three services here, and we've had a good time this weekend, and I know everybody's has probably heard things and been reminded of things, and we're all jazzed and excited about, you know, just the goodness of God. But you're going to leave here, and you're going to, you know, you're going to be force-fed some stuff. It's going to be coming in. You, it's not realistic to think that you can live free of other inputs. You got the radio on. You got the television on. You got the news blaring at you. You got, uh, you know, all the, all the bad news that's coming. You can't stop what's coming in, but you can determine what comes out. 
So you've got to take all these inputs and you've got to be sure that your mixer is set right so that what's coming out of your speaker agrees with God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. Because whoever you agree with is what you're going to experience. See? You agree with the economic indicators and you start watching the stock market and see what your investment does and you start talking about that and now then you're just going to pile misery on misery. But you look at the stock market, you take that into account, it's a fact. We don't deny that it's a fact. But more so than the stock market indicators or the CNN ticker or the Fox News ticker, it doesn't matter, they're all liars. Rather than taking that as that which we embrace, we just go back to Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what's coming out my speaker. You'll never hear me complain or, you know, poor old me or woe is me about circumstances. What some politician does in Washington or Boston or whatever the capital of Massachusetts is or Montgomery, Alabama, or what, it, it's not going to affect my joy. And it's not going to affect my confession. It's going to affect my vote. It'll definitely affect the way I vote. But it's not going to affect my joy. It's not going to steal my peace. Are you listening to me? Has here before they were. A lot of these Johnny-come-latelys, I mean, hey, what are they going to do, turn you into a frog? No, they can't. All they can do is bombard you with bad news. But I don't have to pick up their song and dance. No, I'm just going to keep on shouting and giving God praise and giving Him glory and enjoying the good life. So you can call me ugly names if you want to, but I won't answer to poor. Fellow said, "You poor so and so." I didn't answer to poor. That's the only thing I correct. I don't care. I don't care what people call me, but I'm not going to answer to poor. I'm not going to answer to sick. I'm not going to answer to fearful. I'm not going to answer to give up. Praise the Lord. I've learned how to mix faith with the Word of God. And how do you mix faith? How do you know you got the right mix by what's coming out your speaker? Now, listen. It's not your church talk that I'm talking about. Anybody can sit here in church and repeat after me, God is a good God and all that. It's not your church talk that makes you or breaks you. It's your street talk. It's not what you say on Sunday. It's what you say on Monday and what you say on Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday and so forth. That's what makes you or breaks you. But if you can, if you can hold fast your confession of faith all through the week until the next time we meet, then what will happen is you'll get pumped up again and that dynamo will get spinning faster and faster and you'll come out of here and it'll be easier and then the world will try to take it out of you, but you just stay in the midst of what God is doing. Continue to hear the Word of God. Faith will continue to rise and before you know it, the devil is under your feet and you're sitting on a fence post that you didn't put yourself on and everybody's saying, what happened to you? And you get to tell them, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? So, 
You can write some of these points down if you will. And uh, another one I encourage you to write down. I, I told you to this morning, but I saw a lot of people were just being rebellious and wouldn't do it. And so I'm going to give it to you again. The Lord told me to tell you that nothing is too good for my people. And only the best is good enough. Give you a little piece of advice Lester Summerall gave me. Y'all remember Dr. Summerall? Any of y'all remember him? Uh, he was a dear man. I, I loved him. He, uh, he, he ministered a lot of things in my life. and was a great man of God. I've got a picture of him eating turnip greens and cornbread at my kitchen table. And uh, Dr. Summerall said this. He said, God will go first class if he can find somebody to go with him. God will go first class if he can find somebody to go with him. When I heard that, I said, right here, I'll go with you, Lord. First class. First class. Everything first class. God is a God of excellence. When he, I, I like something that I heard of a missionary say, Jerry O'Dell. He said, when God saved us, he used his son. He gave his son. He could have given his bird dog, but he didn't. He gave us his son to let us know that with him, everything else is ours. If he didn't hold back his best in giving us his son, he certainly doesn't have anything better that's he, that he's hanging on to and refusing to minister to us. So that's grace. Grace sent Jesus to the cross. Grace committed itself to the cross. And hung there in our place. Faith follows grace. When you know what grace has done, that is the basis for faith. In other words, when you find out Jesus did it for me, now then, I have faith to receive it when, when you see it. Faith receives or faith possesses what grace has done. If grace has not done it, faith cannot possess it. You can't just believe for anything you want to believe. You've got to know what the Word says is yours, and that's what faith will receive. If grace has not made it mine, it cannot be received by faith, not by Bible faith. So understanding grace is the starting point, what God has done in Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let's take that a step further. If it is the will of God that I possess a thing, then you can be sure that Jesus has already paid for it. And the flip side of that coin is, if Jesus has paid the price for something, you can be certain that it is the will of God that I possess that something. Nothing was purchased by the blood of Jesus that it later became the will of God that I not receive. So if he bore our sicknesses, it can, it is, let me make it as strong as I can. If, it, if he bore your sicknesses, and you've got to decide if you believe he did or not, but if he bore your sicknesses, then it is impossible that it not be the will of God that you possess health. Do you see that? Because it's paid for. It's paid for. And all it needs is to be claimed as my own 
or as your own. Glory to God. And what Jesus did on the cross and subsequently in his resurrection is that he has restored our ownership rights. God gave it all to Adam in the beginning. And in Adam, through his stupidity, whatever, gave it away, sold us out, sold out the human race, sold us down the river, and put us under Satan's thumb, under his dominion, under his authority. Now then, that has been stripped from Satan. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave and said, I have the keys. Keys mean authority. So he has delivered us from Satan's authority and he has restored our ownership rights. In other words, what the Bible tells us is what you've got a right to. But now, it's going to take faith to possess it. But settle in your heart and mind that you have a right to life. You have a right to health. You have a right to prosperity. You have a right to success. I have a right to it. I got as much right as anybody to succeed. God does not pick and choose who the successes are. He has made success available to everybody in any endeavor of life. And it's up to me to find out what's mine, find out where I fit, find out what, his, what he, he wants me to do in life. And a lot of times you're going to find out that it fits exactly with the desires of your heart. The thing you want to do is the thing he wants you to do. Some people have a skewed version of the vision of the will of God that somehow or another God figures out what you would least like to do and then makes you do it. And that's not true. He's equipped you for something. And it has to do with your talents and it has to do with your drives and it has to do with your, 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 your loves. It's, it's just so crazy, you know. I mean, for years, I ran from the call of God. I, did, I wasn't conscious of it. But I, I, I did it anyway. I, I, it wasn't like, oh, I'm running from the call of God. But as a small child, I knew that I was supposed to travel and tell people about God. But then one thing led to another, and that, that went dark. And I followed my father, you know, into worldliness. And I was away from the Lord for a long time. Then when all that came, when I, when I got back to the Lord, that call came back. And at that time, I still didn't know what to do with it. But as I got into the Word, oh, my goodness, what a life I've lived. What a life I've lived. I mean, there's not anybody here that wouldn't have loved to have some of the adventures and, and go, some, go on some of the places and done some of the things and been with some of the people that I've walked with over the years. And He'll do the same thing for you. He'll fulfill every dream that you, can, that you can possibly imagine. That's why it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 37, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto Him, He'll bring them to pass. Glory to God. So this is why it's so important that we learn the Word because that's where you find out what belongs to you. If you can find something that the cross has done now, that may sound simple, but it's certainly not simplistic. What I mean by that is I've made a study of redemption. Redemption is a, one of my, uh, well, it's just a, a subject, 
And an understanding of redemption is something that I have pursued uh, all my Christian life. And I find that the more I go, the more I see in redemption. Now, you know, we, we a lot of times categorize the curse of the law as being threefold, eternal death or spiritual death, sickness, poverty. All right, so we categorize those things and we say, okay, Jesus bore our sin, he bore our sicknesses, and he bore our poverty. But there's so much more than that. Everything that Jesus went through from the Garden of Gethsemane until his ascension to the, uh, from the dead, every single thing he went through had meaning. It was part of redemption. Up until the Garden of Gethsemane, he was living his life as, as an example to you and me and showing us how a believer can and ought to live. But when he committed himself at the Last Supper to his destiny, why he came, and went to the garden, and there he prayed and sweat great drops of blood. He wrestled with it so that you wouldn't have to wrestle. He was arrested. He was tortured. He was beaten. Every single thing that happened to him had meaning for you. I'll give you one that maybe you never thought of. The Bible talks about how that they, in, in, in his torture and in his beating and in his physical punishment, they crammed a crown of thorns on his head. Thorns are a type, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, of worries and cares. Jesus wore a crown of thorns so that you would have a peaceful mind. untroubled by the cares of this world. Everything Jesus did from the garden to the resurrection and even his subsequent seating, he did for you and with you in mind in order to walk you through these things. Death itself, death itself, Jesus went through death so that you and I wouldn't have to. Now, I realize every person's going to die physically. But here's something else. <clears throat> you stop and think about Jesus' death. It was a brutal death. A, br a brutal dying, I should say. And the reason it was is because, now I, I think I can speak for most Christians. Most Christians don't fear death. We've heard so much about what's on the other side. I mean, it's like something we look forward to. But what we do fear a lot of time is dying that transition process. We don't, want, we don't look forward to dying. We look forward to being on the other side, but we don't necessarily look forward to passing through to the other side. Jesus endured a brutal dying so that yours could be smooth. I've got a good friend out in Kansas who is a trauma nurse, and she's also a word a word woman, one of our ministry partners, and a, a, again, a dear friend, uh, goes to a church pastored by a dear friend of mine. And uh, I asked her one time, because she's had a lot of experience with death and dying. And I asked her, because I've had a little bit, but not, not as much as she has, being a, uh, you know, a, a trauma nurse who's right there front lines. I mean, she's the one that, they, uh, that flies the helicopter out to airplane crash scenes and train wrecks and, you know, all kind of things like that. She sees the, the worst of the worst. And, yet, and she sees people in the hospital stepping over. And I asked her one time, I said, Amanda, talk to me. Tell me, how is it, how do, what, what is your experience? How do you see people die? 
And she thought a minute. She said, well, Pastor Webb, I, can, I guess I can best say it like this. People, in my experience, they die like they live. If they live, live lives for the Lord, they go peacefully. If they're full of sin and darkness, they go pretty rough. It's a hard transition. I thought, makes sense. Makes sense. Because Jesus bore that dying so that you could just slide in. <laughs> and he bore death so that life was waiting on you on the other side. Now, don't get in any hurry to do it. I'm just saying this is something that, uh, you know, it's all been covered. Every base was covered. Every detail was covered. There's nothing to fear. And when you get there, it's not going to be sitting on a cloud and playing a harp. I mean, Paul said, and most uh, Bible scholars agree that it probably was his stoning in um, Lystra when, when they stoned him to death and the saints stood around him and worshiped God until he rose up and worshiped with him. But he died. But he talks in uh, Second Corinthians about uh, there was a man in Christ, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, who was caught up to the third heaven. He talks about himself, third person. And he said, you know, I was caught up and I saw things that I, 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 can't even, I can't even utter. He said, but I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. You'll have to ask God. That's how much alike it is. You don't quit being you. You're more you than you've ever been when you step over into that. Except the wrinkles are gone. And the pain's gone. And the gray hair's gone. Or the hair's back or whatever, whatever you need. Right? <clears throat> in November of 2019, a man in my church before I ever heard of COVID, I never heard of COVID until 2020 came along, probably February of that year that I first heard, at least the first time it hit me, COVID. And, uh, but in November <clears throat> of 2019, a man, and he was, a, he, he was an older guy, an ex-Army Ranger, uh, you know, much of a man, but he had recently come back to the Lord, and now then he just loves my ministry and my teaching, and, and uh, he's he just a great guy. He was doing some work on the church. Now, his wife, they had not been married all that long because they were childhood sweethearts, but then they had married other people, and then finally in their, you know, in their older years, they got back together. So she'd been a church member of mine for a long time. She'd come up under my ministry for many years. He is just kind of getting into it, but he's working on the church, and he's just a, you know, just a good guy. Well, he told me uh, one day, I saw him at the church. We were chatting and talk, talking, and he said, listen, pray for my wife. Her name was Phyllis, too. My wife's name is Phyllis. Hers is, too. He said, pray for Phyllis. She's got, she's got uh, some kind of flu or something, and uh, she's not feeling very good. And I said, yeah, okay, so let's just pray right now. So I grabbed his hand. We prayed for her there in the foyer of the church. Well, he didn't tell me that he also was feeling bad because he's, like I say, he's, you know, 
he, he's a man, and he, he just, you know how men are a lot of times. You just train yourself. You don't admit pain, or you just, you know, gut it out and all that. Yeah. I get all that. Yeah. So he didn't tell me. And then the next thing I heard, the guy's in the hospital yeah. with, they said something like pneumonia. Well, I'm thinking, I'll get down there, and I'll see him, and I'll, I'll minister to him. <clears throat> I didn't know how bad it was, and I didn't know anything about COVID. Looking back on it, his doctor thinks he had thinks he had COVID, that first run of it, and they didn't test him because they didn't even think about it. Well, here's what happened. The guy, you know, again in his previous life, before he got, came back to the Lord and got into the Word and all that, he'd been a heavy smoker. And so his body, you know, he'd done some things to his body that, that had kind of compromised him. He's in the hospital. They put him in intensive care. The next thing I know, he's on a respirator. And before I can even get down there to the hospital, he codes three times. Code blue. Now, his wife was a hospital worker. She wasn't a nurse, but she worked in administrative uh, capacity in another hospital. He's in Veterans Hospital there in Birmingham. She works at another hospital, but she knows the lingo. So she's in the uh, intensive care waiting area, waiting to go back and see him, and um, I guess visiting hours or whatever, and uh, she hears, you know, code blue. Well, she knows what that means. So she gets up, and she's wondering, uh, who is this? And it's him. Well, what happened was he died on that table. Uh, in, in the intensive care. He died. And he said, the next thing I know, I'm standing there in the intensive care unit and I'm looking at my body on the table. And he said, I'm looking around and I see over here the doctors and I'm just fascinated with the technology in the room. <laughs> I'm just repeating what he said. We got it on podcast. You can view this on our, on our website, his testimony. And he said, I looked around and he said, it seemed like that the whole experience took about 20 minutes. But in a time like that, you've you got no sense of time because he saw some amazing things, things that you just can't make up. He said, for instance, he said, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm standing there, and my wife is out in the hallway, and there's a wall there, but I can see her. So he's able to see through the wall, well, that's not strange. Jesus walked through a wall after his resurrection. And he had a body. And this guy's just, it's his spirit, you know. And he stand there and he said, and he said, and I don't know how to explain this, but he said, I could stand here and I could look this way and I would see what happened yesterday. And if I looked this way, I could see what was going to happen tomorrow. So he's come out of his body and he's outside the time, space, dimensions that we're limited to. And he said, then I looked over here, and there was this, it was like a, a gray cloud. And he said, I started feeling like I was being drawn to it. And he said, I don't know how to explain it, but I knew it was death. And he said, then all of a sudden, I saw standing right here, this being. He called him a guardian, just his word, is an angel, no doubt. But he said, I saw this guy, I just kind of thought he's a guardian. <clears throat> and he's describing him as being you know, having this robe on with this, with this uh, head covering and a blue sash, and he's got these emblems, these round-like patches on his sleeves 
and there's writing on it, and the writing changes before his eyes. And he said he started being drawn to this place where the cloud was, and he said that being stood there and looked at him and went like this. And the next thing he knew, he was back in his body in the worst pain he's ever felt in his life. He mentioned while he was out of his body, he had never felt so good. And what brought him back was this. His wife over here in the hallway, she's marching up and down the hallway. Now she, They won't let her in. They're in there with the paddles and the you know extreme measures trying to bring him back. But she's walking up and down that hallway, trained in the Word over these many, many years, saying, he shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. He shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. He shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. The doctors were saying, the code blue was saying, everybody's saying, this is a train wreck. But she's saying what God said. And when death started to pull him that way, that angel went, not today. And he came back. He actually coded three times, but he just had, had that experience one time. And when he talks about it, and when he talks about it, his face lights up. It's like, I've never felt so good. He can't even describe it with words that, that make you understand. And he came out of that experience, and other patients in the hospital would look at him and say, you saw something. You've been somewhere. The doctors would come in to hear his story. Another, another patient in a wheelchair, an old man, again, in Veterans Hospital, an old veteran, he, they're wheeling him around. He said, wait, wait, wait. I want to talk to him. He didn't know him. He just saw his face. He saw a glow about it. And that's just from visiting the other side. Imagine what living there is going to be like. Nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to fear when you're there. There's nothing to be afraid about getting there. But there's no rush either. Let's stay here until we're done. Amen. Don't let the devil punch that ticket. You make the decision. Everybody say it out loud. I shall not die. Say it out loud. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. Amen. That's the will of God. That's what you need to agree with. For yourself, for your family members, for anybody that you've got, you know, that falls into your sphere of authority, always know the promises of God. That's why you have to know the Word. That's why it's so important that we study the Word of God. Anybody know where that scripture I quoted is found? Psalm 118. Just FYI, underlining in your Bible. Psalm 118, I believe it's verse 19. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. You'd just be amazed at how many dead have been raised with that scripture and how many deaths have been averted with that promise of God. Always agree with the word of God, with what you say, with what you say. What you say is your faith talking. Confession of God's word is what causes you to possess the promises of God. Amen. Faith is an act, or faith involves acting. 
The Bible says we walk by faith. That means there's going to be steps of faith. Paul said, Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty three, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. This is where the devil will fight you harder than any other area is in the saying part of it, in what you say. I said, well, I just, I just don't understand. I, I, can't, I can't say I have something if I can't see it. And my response to that is, well, have you got any brains? And they'll say, yeah. Well, have you ever seen them? <laughs> Let the Word of God do your thinking for you instead of you trying to think or feel. Let the Word of God do your thinking. Mix faith with God's Word and let it come out your speaker. Begin to call yourself wise. Begin to call yourself at rest and peace. Begin to call yourself, because we have the mind of Christ. Instead of saying, I just don't know what to do, I'm so confused, say, no, I have the mind of Christ. I always know what to do, and I'm always in the right place at the right time. I'm going to tell you, that's about 90% of success right there, is being in the right place at the right time. And if you'll just start confessing that over yourself, You'll just be amazed at how you're just always in the right place at the right time. Because your words are like a rudder on a ship and they'll steer your ship <clears throat> into, into the, the blessing instead of the winds blowing you into the curse and on the reefs and on the, on the rocks. Amen. Amen. Mix faith with God's Word by what you say. Call those things that be not as though they were in agreement with God's Word. Instead of agreeing with the news and agreeing with the... Oh, gosh, I don't even want to go there. Just <clears throat> remember the devil's a liar no matter whose mouth he's speaking through. And he's got a lot of mouthpieces out there. But God's Word is true. Now, <clears throat> reference in Mark 11, Whosoever shall say... Unto this mountain. Y'all have heard that scripture before. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mark 11, 23. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Put it up there. Mark eleven twenty three, And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, uh, I want you to notice. Well, we're not there yet. That they'll get to it. Mark eleven twenty three, You can just use the King James Version. But let me ask you this. Verse 22, Jesus said, Have faith in God. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not down his heart, and shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. What did Jesus say moves mountains? Did I hear faith? Somebody say faith. How many of you agree with that? Jesus said, faith moves mountain. All right. It's kind of a trick question, and you're busted because that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't. I'm just messing with you. And it's a common, it's a common trip up here. But Jesus did not say that faith moves mountains. I know a lot of times we say it. They even write songs about it. Faith will move the mountains in your life. But Jesus didn't say in this verse of Scripture that faith moves mountains. What he said was, words move mountains 
specifically God's words. So when you think about mountains moving in your life, realize this, and the reason that I bring this out is because it's an easy trap to fall into. If you think, remember, prosper and be in the health as your soul prospers, as you think and prosper. If you think that faith moves mountains, now then that's going to kind of segue into a question, how much faith does it take to move a mountain? And if you get hung up on that, you'll immediately begin to think, do I have enough faith to move a mountain? And let's say that mountain's cancer. If it takes faith to kill cancer, how much faith does it take? And do I have enough to kill cancer, to overcome cancer in my life or the life of somebody I love? But if you understand that Jesus said words, God's words move mountains, now then, that takes the pressure off of you and your faith and puts it where it belongs, on the Word of God. And God's Word can handle the pressure. You can't. You weren't designed to handle pressure. But God's Word is. It can take everything you can put on it. And like a seed, it'll grow and push and work relentlessly. God's Word is a seed. And so when we understand that words move mountains, specifically God's words move mountains, now then all I have to do is fire God's Word at it. See? I don't have to worry about my faith. I just put God's Word on the, on the, on the work. See? God's Word will work. Any of y'all ever had the unpleasant experience of maybe pouring a new driveway or a slab in your house and not getting all the seeds out from underneath it? Anytime they, they pour a concrete driveway or asphalt driveway, they'll go in there and they'll cut the soil down and they'll many times even poison the ground in case there's seeds in the ground because I don't care what you pour on top of it, concrete, asphalt, reinforced concrete. It doesn't make any difference. If there's a seed under there and it germinates, that seed will start pushing. Now, it doesn't seem like much, but, brother, it never quits. It never gives up. And before you know it, in that new pristine driveway that you've poured, there's a crack. What? And you watch it, before you know it, there's going to be a little green sprig growing up out of it. What? And it shows the power of a seed. God's Word is God's seed. And when you put God's Word on the matter, you're putting something that will push back and push back and push back and it'll never quit. It'll never quit. So how much faith does it take to kill cancer? That's pretty easy. Enough. It, all, all the faith it takes to kill cancer is enough faith to plant the seed. You can kill a cancer with as much faith as you can grow a tomato. If you've got enough faith to plant a tomato seed, you'll get tomatoes. And if you've got enough faith to plant a healing seed, you'll get healing. Now, after you plant the seed, you've got to water it too, don't you? Well, how do you water God's seed? First time you plant it and say it, first time you declare 
In the name of Jesus, I believe I receive my healing from cancer. I declare my body healed in Jesus' name. All right, you just planted a seed. After that, the way you water that seed is, God, I thank you. I just thank you. Glory to God, I praise you. I thank you. Glory, your word is working in me. Your word is destroying everything that is alien to my body. Your word is restoring health in my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? And then there might be one other thing that you need to do. One other thing. If you're going to have a garden, if you're going to grow tomatoes, you've got to plant the seed, you've got to water the seed, and then every now and then, those of you that garden, you've seen, you've come outside and had the unpleasant experience of seeing birds pecking around trying to mess with your plants and mess with your fruit and mess with the seeds, dig them up, right? We got any gardeners in here? Anybody ever planted a garden? Y'all grow tomatoes up here? Huh, do you? Have you ever grown any tomatoes? All right, Lynette, let me ask you this. When you went out there, have you ever seen birds in your garden? Huh? He's the garden. You're the gardener? I can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, okay, all right. All right. Robert, right? Yeah, all right. You, 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 you go out there, and you, you've got your garden, and you've planted the seed, and you've watered the seed, and, you know, you're, maybe you've got some green out there, and you're starting to anticipate that good fruit, you know. And you go out there, and you see birds messing around with your stuff. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, do you look at that, and, you know, you go out there in the morning, you've got your coffee cup in your hand, and your bathrobe on, you just, you know. <laughs> do you just turn around and go back in there and say, well, I, I guess it wasn't the will of God that uh, I have any tomatoes this year. If it was God, he wouldn't have allowed those birds to come in there and, and uh, you know, peck away at my, at my produce. Huh? You don't believe that? You mean you don't believe that if God wanted him, if it was God's will that he have tomatoes, that God would keep the birds away? No? You don't believe that? So you don't think Robert's going to say, no, nah, well, I guess, praise the Lord, I just, you know, in God's wisdom, he knows what's best. He's probably teaching me something in this, uh, in this uh, episode. But I don't know what it is, but, Lord, I just learn. I'm, 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 I'm here to learn because your, your ways are so much higher than my ways and your thoughts than my thoughts, and I'm just a worm and you're all everything. <laughs> so whatever. No, here's what Robert does. Robert goes out there with his coffee cup and his bathrobe and his slippers. You know, he's, maybe he's going to water it that morning, or he's just inspecting, you know. And he sees the birds hanging around there. Now, remember Jesus likened the fowls of the air to the demon spirits in Mark chapter 4. And so he goes out there and he sees that and he says, Ha! <laughs> You're not going to sleep in my services. But he runs out there hollering and screaming. Why? To run those birds off. Right? to dispel those fowls of the air, to keep them from messing with his planting. Sometimes you got to do the same thing with the devil. That's why you need a good church like this where you get to come in and you get to lift your hands and shout and give God praise. Might be a good thing to just give him some praise right now. Glory to God. Come on, let's shout to the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. 
Now notice, notice those of you that, that did that. I want you to notice how whatever else you might have been thinking about prior to that, your thoughts immediately centered on what we're doing right now and on the Lord. What was coming out of your mouth, the praise and glorifying God, affected everything. It even stirred you up. I mean, y'all were getting kind of settled down in those chairs. And now then everybody's wide awake. Sometimes you've got to come in here and you've got to turn the wolf loose, man. You've got to shout. You've got to praise. You've got to jump. You've got to dance. You've got to run. Because you may look at that and think, oh, that's silly. That's foolish. Why would anybody do that? Because it is an expression of of praise and it steals the devil the Bible says praise will steal the enemy so if thoughts are troubling you and 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 fear is trying to encroach in your life the best thing you can do is come to church and shout and you'll put those boogers on the run amen can you say amen glory to God so, so, so put the Word to work. The Lord, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm constantly learning. Even as I teach, I learn. And the Holy Ghost said this to me, referencing back to Hebrews 4, you know, about the rest that God has for us. And we which have believed do enter into rest. He said this. He said, now you can let your faith rest and you do the work. Or you can let your faith work and you rest. And so if you're not putting your faith out there and using your faith in life, you're going to be the one working. But your faith can do what nothing else can and nobody else can. Because your faith will put the Word to work. And I promise you, you'll get better results out of the Word than you will anything else. Amen. And you say amen. amen. So, you want to take the Word and speak it to the mountain. Well, I don't know if i got enough faith or not. Have you got enough faith to say it? you got enough faith to say, praise the Lord? Huh? The Bible, Bible says that Abraham was strong in faith giving glory to God. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Well, we got some people of faith in here. Glory to God. <clears throat> so turn the word loose on your problem. Amen. Plant the seed and leave it alone. It will move the mountain because it'll start growing. And the rock will start cracking and splitting. And before you know it, you got a harvest of health coming up in your life. Or a harvest of prosperity or a harvest of peace or, 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 or whatever. Amen. Y'all getting anything here tonight? Praise the Lord. God's Word will work. God's Word will work. <clears throat> now let me illustrate this to you. In closing, I got some bills here in my pocket. For those of you in the back can't see it, that's a $100 bill. 
Whose is this? I appreciate you playing right into my trap here. A lot of you think it's yours, but uh, let me ask you this. Uh, who, uh, who earned it? I did. It's my money. You saw me pull it out of my pocket. I didn't steal it from you. I brought it here. This is mine. I mean, it's, it's rightfully mine. It's paycheck, you know, expenses, whatever. It's, it's my money because I earned it. So whose is it? It's mine. That You are correct. Now, I'm holding it in my hand, but what if I lay it down right here? Whose money is it? If I lay it right here like this, then whose money is it? Whose $100 bill is that? It's mine. Everybody agree with that? Right. What if I walk over here by that post? Whose is it? So if I move over here and I, I can't even touch it, it's still mine, right? What would somebody be that tried to come up there and take it? What would they be? A thief. That's right. So that's my money, and nobody else has any right to it, correct? And anybody that tried to take it would be nothing but a thief. Now, if I say, I'm going to use this as an illustration, and somebody here tonight is going to leave here with this $100 bill. How many of you think that you have a basis for faith that you're the person that leaves with it? Could I see your hand? Okay, every one of you that raised your hand is wrong. You have no basis for faith that you'll leave here with that $100 bill. All you can do at this point is hope. Because I said somebody. I didn't say you. I said somebody here is going to leave with that $100 bill when I transfer ownership. Okay? Now, I'll take this a step further. If anybody else tries to come up here and take it, what are they? A thief. That's right. Because it's not yours. You have no right to it. Right? But now if I say, all right, I've been, I've been watching the congregation and I've made a decision... And this lady right back here by the red man in the red shirt, I have decided that I hereby transfer ownership of this $100 bill to you. That's what I'm saying. I have decided that this is your $100 bill now. I earned it. I have the right to do whatever I want to with it. I can set it on fire if I want to. But I give it to you. You're welcome. Yeah, you. I'm sorry? 
I didn't hear you. You feel like a thief? You think I'm a liar? So if I say, I give it to you, you feel like a thief? I mean, an honest face like mine wouldn't lie, would it? Okay. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah. What's your name? Marsha. Marsh, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming tonight. You. You're welcome. <laughs> when I transferred ownership of that, I now have no right to it. For me to pick it up at this point, I'd be a thief if my word is good. There's only one person in this room who has the legal right to pick that bill up off that table where it is and who is that that's you that's right now remember to tithe it remember to tithe it and then give and then enjoy the rest of it praise the Lord give Marsha a big hand was it Marsha or Martha Marsha, give Marsha a big hand there. Marsha, you, you played it perfectly. <laughs> Darling, I appreciate it. You really did. You played it perfectly. Because it illustrates so many things. Yes. So many things. Now, see, here's Marsha. She, she really doesn't know me that well. Have you been in other services? I think I've seen you all in one other service anyway. You weren't here yesterday morning, were you? But you came this morning. So you've got a passing acquaintance with me. They don't, don't know me really well. But... At the same time, you know, I'm a preacher. I'm in the pulpit. There's a certain trust level here. So when I pulled that out and told everybody it was mine because I'd earned it, that was true. But because it's mine, I can do whatever I want to with it. I could light it on fire if I wanted to as an illustration, and there'd be nothing wrong with that. It'd be a waste, but there'd be nothing wrong with it. Or I could, I could put it back in my own pocket. Now, when I said somebody, the reason that you only had a reason to hope was because you, your name is not somebody. You see? Huh? You're, you're not. You, you could be, but all you can do is hope for it. But when I said it's hers, and I didn't know her name at the time, when I said this now, I transfer ownership from here to Marcia, from myself to Marcia. Now then, Marcia's, she's, she's a typical Christian out there hearing some of this for the first time. She's thinking, now wait a minute, wait a minute. He said it's mine, but is there a trick? Is there a catch here? What's going on? I don't want to go up here and embarrass myself. I, I, I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know what game he's playing. There's no game. See, it was an honest transfer of ownership. So then she's sitting there really reluctant, and other people, other Christians start saying, Go get it. Go get it. Some of y'all, I heard it from over here. Go up there and get it. Go get it. Say, y'all saw what was happening here. Go get it. So she's still hesitant. But she gets up and she walks down here. Now she said, I feel like a thief because I didn't earn it. See, that's the condemnation that the devil will put on you when you put a demand on your redemption. Uh, who are you to claim healing? Who, who do you think you are? 
to, to, to say you're the righteousness of God. Your sins are like filthy rags and blah, 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 blah. It's the same trick that the devil uses on every believer. And then she stopped right there. And she began to understand, wait a minute. It's like that motorcycle I was talking about that this morning. Nobody else has a right to it. If one of y'all had come up there and tried to take it, you'd have been a thief because it now it's not mine, it's not yours, it's hers. I could not pick that money back up and put it in my pocket. If she hadn't done it, I would have had to leave it there yeah. from now on with nobody having a right to it. I guess the cleaning crew might have got it, but I don't know. <laughs> but when I gave it away, I can't take it back if my word's good. Now, what if Marcia stood up and cussed me out and called me a dirty dog? Said, I don't even like your preaching. Why don't you go back to where you came from? Whose would that have been? It's still hers. See, it wasn't based on conduct. It's based on my word. Oh, yeah. And so with encouragement, she got up. And she came down here. Now, every step she took all the way from her seat to this pulpit were steps of faith. Because yeah. Yeah. she's walking to possess yeah. what now belongs to her. Yeah. Now, when she walked back to her seat, she's not walking by faith. She's already got it. Now she's walking <laughs> thinking of where she's going to spend it. But do you see the parallels? Yes. So when you find the promise in God's Word or the, or the redemption in God's Word, yes. now then, it's on us to possess it. It's on us to begin to talk like it's ours and to begin to walk like it's ours and to begin to act like it's ours. Yes. Begin to put a demand on Satan to turn our stuff loose. God's already loosed it. But Satan will get in there and he'll, he'll, he'll mess things up. Praise the Lord. So visualize, that's a, that's a good visualization, an illustrative faith lesson of every promise of God is laying there on the table, backed by the Word, and it's yours for the taking if you belong to Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand up and give God thanks tonight. Praise God. Just start, let's just start thanking him for his goodness in our lives. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we magnify you. That's the value of a church as well because there are other more seasoned, more experienced Christians around the ones that come in that don't understand things and they're there to encourage one another on. And we ought to be encouragers of one another when it comes to receiving God's blessings and benefits. Don't ever put somebody else's faith down. They just may have more revelation than you do. Glory to God. We're to help one another. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. 
Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.